Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode I'm going to have a chat with Simone. Simone's going to tell us all about her life. So Simone, if you could tell me when and where you were born and if you can describe what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. So, Simone, you're in the room. Hi. Thanks so much for having me here you're today. You're welcome. So, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I was born in March 23rd, 1972. I just celebrated my 50th birthday. Oh, a big one. Yeah, it was a big one. But it's just a birthday, right? So... <laughs> But I, yeah, a year older, <laughs> a year older. And it seems to go by much faster every Tell year. I'm it. like, how is this happening? <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know whether you've noticed, you might have a number there, but up here is telling down here a totally different thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, wait, I'm how old? Wait, my knee doesn't work anymore. Tell, tell me more, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's funny how it works. Um, but yeah, I grew up in uh, Buffalo, New York, and I loved living there as a child. Yes, there was tons of snow, but it was great in the winter. We had a a lake that would freeze over. We would ice skate and go sledding. And so I was there until I finished eighth grade. And so I went to actually two different schools. They were both private schools. Um, my parents were both physicians and they were really big on education and that's what they wanted us to do. So that's what we did. Oh, wow. And then when I was going into high school, my parents moved to Gainesville, Florida. I was at summer camp and I got a call that said, Hey, we've sold the house and we're moving to Florida. <laughs> did they give you the that address? Was not... <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to take me. I was still young. So, but that was a hard thing at that age yeah. to, to, you know, going into high school and, and they put me in another private school, which was great, but all the kids had been together for a really mm -hmm. long time. So it was, it was a struggle. Um, and also my sister was about to start her senior year. So she actually stayed behind in Buffalo and lived with a family because they didn't want to move her during her senior mm -hmm. year. So Buffalo, let's, let's, let's have a look at, so during the winter time, you get lots of snow and stuff. So how far was the school away? And did you go to school on skis? Ha. Uh, the school was probably 25, 30 minutes away. And no, it was either we took the bus or we didn't go. All right. <laughs> so there was, you know, we did have a time where we had like, or a few times where that the lakes next door would overflow and people would go through the streets by boat, but never by <laughs> skis. I went to school. So. Hang on. I've got lots of noise going on now. So I don't know if you can hear it on here, but, um, no. That's fine. Um, Sounds nice and quiet. 
So the and then move, move to Gainesville. Oh, let's let's let's. Or should we carry on a little bit with Buffalo? I mean, so the eighth grade. What what age were you when you left then? I was thirteen. Oh, so we've got a lot to do in, then, in those previous years. So, what what was your favourite subject in there? Hmm. I'm 50. I don't remember. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I actually liked math and it was something that I was good at. And that kind of, kind of that started my first career path. So, but yeah, I liked math. We had a really cool math teacher in middle school and maybe that's why I liked it, but it was, that was kind of the subject that I really focused on now forget about it now that i haven't been doing it for a long time my kids will ask me for help on stuff i'm like go ask dad i can't do it i have no idea i finished like once you get to beyond eighth grade i'm like nope can't help yeah. you <laughs> i don't want to relearn it either you know i'm like i don't want to relearn this <laughs> can't say i blame you there so yeah. I, I have a, a love hate relationship with school um but there you go that's a, that's a totally different story so yeah, what was your worst well, subject it's actually funny because I really struggled with grammar when I was younger. And so, so now it cracks me up that I wrote a book and that my kids will ask me, not that I don't make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I still make mistakes, but now my kids will ask me for the writing help, which when I was younger, I, I told them, I was like, I was not a good writer when I was a kid. So um, it's kind of nice now to, to have that piece, but you know, I stuck with it. I kept learning, kept trying and um but now it's something that I really enjoy and that I pick up on mistakes now that other people haven't seen. And I'm like, oh, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. So uh, things that I struggled with now are a strength for so me. So do you do a bit of proofreading on the side? Um, no, I haven't started that. But that that's just like my own writing. Every time I write something, I'm like, oh, wait. And then or I'll see a mistake and nobody will notice it. Like, did you see that? No, I didn't <laughs> see it. I had. It's funny when you were uh saying get the road on the show um i had a in one of the things that in my book i made one big mistake i've made there's there's other typos that have been corrected yeah. and there probably are still some you know your brain sees what it wants to see and i had a typo that said um that i make lemonade into lemons instead of lemons <laughs> into lemonade and I didn't see it. Nobody saw it. Like even the people that were editing didn't see it. And then of course the book is like in full form yeah. and I sent it to a friend of mine and she's like 15 minutes in and she sends a screenshot. Did you mean to say this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, actually, yes. Didn't you know that was my superpower? I can turn lem lemonade back into lemons. Absolutely. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a proper skill. So, yeah. <laughs> so For sure. So, I have a touch of dyslexia, so sometimes I struggle with with just normal conversation, let alone writing anything down. However, I am I am I've got two books on the go at the moment. It's going to take a long time to get them anywhere near ready to go, but uh, that's another different story. So we're we're, that's, look, that's amazing. we're looking at your story at the moment. So well, it's okay. So, we can talk about your story too. Eighth grade. <laughs> Your parents, uh, you send you off to to summer school and, and summer camp. So, mm -hmm. so I guess that's the sort of three or four weeks, is it, in the summer? I was, I think I was. I think I was gone for about six weeks for that one. So, yeah, that's that's, that's I mean, that's cruel. 
<laughs> Grown ups do. What's what's that song about summer camp? Hello, mother. Hello, mm. father. father. I'm calling yeah. from Camp Here Granada. <laughs> so, was it a bit like that when you first got there? You know what? I loved camp. It was complete freedom. You had, you met great people. We did tons of outdoor stuff. We did, you know, I, I, mm. it was some of my best memories, honestly. So um, it's funny because some of my kids love camp. The other ones are like, no, I don't really want to go. Yeah. So, but for me, I loved it. It was really a great, great time so for me. So it wasn't like Camp Granada for you then? <laughs> no, no, no. It was quite enjoyable. Was there anything like band camp? Um. No, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't like band camp. I, I stopped going when I was, you know, after actual, when we left Buffalo, yeah. I didn't go to camp anymore. So that was, that was my last, that summer was my last summer of yeah. camp. So, so what did you think when you got the, the message from your parents? Oh, by the way, we've sold the house and we're moving to Florida. Um, we're not going to uh, send you the address. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean, I knew that that they were looking, mm. but I didn't know we were looking at Florida at that point. Like we had gone to visit in Georgia. And so that it, it was a little surprising. And I mean, I knew that my parents wanted to move, yeah. but it's never easy when you're a kid and you, you know, you're so stuck in your ways of friendship and yeah. what you're used to at your school and it's it's hard especially middle school and, and high school are tough times for yeah, kids yeah absolutely i so. mean it, it's difficult when when you stay at the same place and 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 you fall out with friends and 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 that sort of thing naturally happens but then to up sticks at 13 and and move halfway down the country it's not across the country is it? it's down the country i flow down, down to florida the country, yes um yeah. And to start fresh at a new school, how did you find that? Yeah, I found it difficult. For one thing, one of the funniest things for me was that, you know, I was from Buffalo and I knew cold weather. And I swear, I think my first year in Florida, I could not stop sweating. And I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, just wasn't used to it. It was so hot, so humid. I was like, how do people live here? And now I can't imagine living anywhere else but Florida, but, uh, you know, you get used to it, but it was hard because again, like the, the things we were like, okay, just start school. It's fine. I think about the kids who, you know, move around a lot and, you know, there's kids that start new schools multiple times in a year or, you know, every year they start a different school and it's really hard. And luckily it works out yeah. fine, but it, it was not an easy adjustment at first. So so did the other kids take the mickey out of you during the, the midst of winter, winter down in Florida? You're walking around <laughs> in shorts and a T-shirt and everybody's got their big coats on. And everything. <laughs> just That's one of the funniest things about Florida <laughs> when it gets, you know, a little chilly. And when I say chilly, it's nobody else would think it was mm. cold all of a sudden people start putting on their boots and they're wearing their sweaters and <laughs> you're thinking, really, it's not that cold out, but I've gotten used to that now. Yeah. So now I definitely get cold yeah. where that year I was super hot. Now I, now you know, as soon cool. as it gets a little chilly, I yeah. get, yes, I get, I was like, Ooh, I can wear a sweater today. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> cool. Like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So going through, uh, so I guess that was junior high, was it? When, when you got down there? Yes. So yeah, 
I guess there have been quite a few other kids that are new to that school joining at the same time. So was, was that not too many? No, it was all come up. No, it was a, because it was a very small private school. Uh, so um, I think a couple of the kids were maybe new, but you know, I wasn't the cheerleader. I I rode horses, which was kind of like my saving grace, I would say it was something that really made me happy. I made a lot of friends through horseback riding and, um, and I made some friends at school too. It wasn't that I didn't, but I just, that wasn't my, I was ready to get out. So I did three years and I actually skipped my last year of high school and I went early admission to college for my first year. I went to Auburn university. And after that, I transferred back to the university of Florida. All right. So what did you study? Well, the plan was to study, I was going to be pre-med and I was going to be a doctor. Both my parents are doctors. Uh, My sister ended up going back to medical school. And so that was what I thought I was going to do. And then I failed organic chemistry (laughs) and then I took it again and I got a D and I was like, okay, I don't think this is for me. So, and what was I good at? I was good at math. So I went into accounting and I became a CPA. Ah, What's a CPA? Certified public accountant. Oh, so you can cook the books. I can cook the books, but I don't do that anymore either. Like I, (laughs) again, I'm, what do I do? I do public speaking and I'm an author. So I'm a big believer and it's okay to change your mind many times. And we put so much pressure on kids to figure out what they want to do, what they have to do right when they get to college. And, you know, I'm 50. I just figured it out a few years ago, what I'm passionate about and what I'm good at. Mm. So I guess from that point of view, you, you've <laughs> lifelong learning has brought you around to what you actually want to do. So how long did it take you to, to gain that CPA qualification? So I did a program that was a five-year program. And so it was undergraduate and graduate combined. It was a, it's called a three, two program. So you did your undergraduate and then you did your graduate and you got them both at the same time. You got both degrees at the same time. And then we actually took a bunch of us took the CPA exam right before graduation. So, um, and I passed it. So I had it all in five years. Excellent. So what was your first job? My first job was working at a small accounting firm in Tyler, Texas. So after we finished, so I married my husband while we were, I was in college, he was in residency, he's a physician. And so my first job was when we moved for his, he joined a practice in Texas and I worked for a bit as a CPA at the that firm. Mm. So whereabouts in Texas did you move to? So it's called Tyler, Texas. It's about 90 miles east of Dallas. It's East Texas. Um, it was very beautiful mm-hmm. there. You have to, and we were there for about five years. Yeah. So do you have to drive out through past um, South Fork? No. That's lost, isn't it, that one? I guess you never watched that film, Dallas, <laughs> or that nope. program. No. Nope. <laughs> I, I never did, actually, which is funny. <laughs> it was like such a big thing when I was younger, but it's not yeah. my thing. Okay, so... How long was you at that firm? Oh, maybe a year. And then um, I, again, changing my mind, I had my first child. And then maybe it was two years, actually. I had my first child. And then I 
decided that I wasn't going to go back to accounting because I didn't love it. And I, we ended up buying a horse farm and I ended up teaching horseback riding lessons and boarding horses and running events there and doing a summer camp. And I actually really loved that. But then we, um, we moved back to Florida after that. How long did you run the, 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 the horse farm for? About three years. And, and was it sort of proper Western style horse riding with, with, you know, proper cowboy stuff or, or was it more conventional with, with those sort of horse jumping and, and that set? Yeah. It was more of the dressage and jumping. Right. So that's what I knew from growing up. And, um, you know, definitely the area I was in, there was a lot more Western, but that's what I loved. So that's what I did. So you're doing sort of dressage and, and having competitions and stuff. So I guess there wasn't a huge amount of competition. If I mean, Texas is known for its cowboys and uh, and rodeo and stuff like that. So was there a big calling for the, that dressage, show jumping uh, in the area? Yeah, I mean, more so in Dallas. So, you know, the students that I had, you know, if you wanted to go to any kind of shows, most of it was in a bigger city. It just wasn't happening because again, where, where I was, it was mostly Western riding. Yeah. So, um, but I taught mostly children and I loved it. It was, it was really, it was a lot of fun and it was really rewarding. You would see kids who would come with like, I don't want to say zero self-confidence, but but really struggling with their self-confidence. And this, there's this thing about being around horses where all of a sudden you feel like if you have this huge animal next to you and they're listening to you and it gives you that self-confidence that you may not have had in other aspects of your life. And then it moves forward and kind of pours out into the other parts of your life. So that was really always fun to see these kids who would come in so timid and shy and then all of a sudden yeah. you know, they would break out through their shell and they'd be really um really strong and one of the one of the best things about that that part of my life was was seeing that mm. in these kids so what's what sort of horses i mean because because i mean texas is is famous for its quarter horses but i guess they're they're not ideal for for show jumping and dress yard because they're they're short stocky working horses so where, yeah. where where did you source your horses from? How many did you have? Mm. Ah. So uh, for a while, it depends. I mean, some of them I got through, you know, I would still ride with a trainer as well. So the horses that I would ride to compete on was through the trainer that I had. And then, you know, I would get, there were all different kinds of sales. You'd just be looking through, you know, websites or back then the newspaper to see what was, available and most most of the horses were probably thoroughbreds or they were mixes you know honestly with children you wanted things that were really horses that were really quiet and calm we had some of those and we had some crazy ones but <laughs> at one point i think i had about 20 horses Fine. so i had a lot so did you own them all it was a lot of work did you own them all or did yeah. you have livery as well yeah i had both so um i owned I still probably owned about 20 and then we had several people that would keep their horses there. 
um, and pay to, to board them there, which again, it was uh, really nice, but every, you know, it, it, it's a job that never ends because you're worried you're getting up in the middle of the night, you're checking, you're cleaning the stalls. And, you know, I would be, you know, before we moved, I was pregnant with my second child and I was, you know, going up to the barn at nine nine o'clock at night, almost nine months pregnant, uh, you know, mucking the stalls. And my husband's like, this is hilarious, actually. (laughs) I was like, come help me. He did, actually. He was very good about it. Brilliant. So why why did you give it up? Well, we moved to Florida. Um, My husband decided that he wanted to join a different practice. It wasn't what we were used to. We wanted to be closer to our family. And so we moved to Florida. We moved back and we, you know, it's, it's so funny when you're younger, you, you think, oh, I've spent too much time here. I want to do something completely different. And then you grow up and say, oh, you know what? It was pretty good here. I want to go back. (laughs) So that's what we did. We moved to uh, where we are now. And that's where uh, my parents lived and also uh, my husband's parents Mm -hmm. lived. So it was really nice with the grandkids. And I guess that, that that takes care of sort of babysitter worries occasionally. Yeah, no, they were big. Uh, they were big help uh, when the kids were young. They were they, they were built in babysitters. Mm. We would just call and say, "Well, we'll be over there at six o'clock," <laughs> and um, it really it was really special for our kids, and it really made our lives so much easier. Yeah. So, what did you do? Did you were you a stay at home mum looking after kids or 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 did you um want to sort of carry on and, and maybe get a few more horses and and uh, carry on that side of life? Yeah, so I stayed at home for a bit and then had a third child and I was flipping houses. I, I mean, I'm never. I it's funny. I look back at all the the things that I've done and. Um, I'm not sure why I don't like to be bored. Like most people would be like, oh, I wish I had nothing to do today. And that's just not my personality. Like, I feel like I always have to be doing something. And even when I'm doing things, sometimes I feel like it's still not enough. Um, Mm. but that's, that's just me. Yeah. So I went, you know, I, I was, I stayed at home for a bit and then, um, started flipping houses. And then from there, I actually, uh, went back to school to be a teacher. All right. So how long did that take? So it was a, because I already had a bachelor's and a master's, I had to just do the credits that I needed for the education side. So it took year, year and a half. Mm. Um, and I took night classes and, um, it was another thing that I really, really enjoyed doing. And, but by then I had six children and so I had to have a babysitter when I went to work. Um, some of the kids were still young and just the picking up and dropping off aspect because I had to be at work really yeah. early and I would stay later than the hours. So it made it really difficult. So I taught for about three years and then uh, my husband and I had a conversation and that we're paying the ba- babysitter more than I'm making so I should probably reconsider and, um, and I did, and then I went into medical sales. <laughs> so, a bit um, and that was more flexible. So, yeah. so, so, so you've got no training at all in medical. 
as such. So you're you're a bit of an accountant, uh, you're a bit of riding instructor and stable owner and and then a a teacher. (laughs) It's funny, right? And then you start flogging medical equipment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Why not, right? I mean, so (laughs) I had a friend who had a business and she asked me if I'd be interested in, you know, being a rep for it. And I said, yeah. And um, it was great. I, you know, there were, there were parts that I didn't Mm. love. Like I'm not the, I'm not a pushy salesperson. So if you're not interested, I'm not going to, you know. not going to twist your arm out your back and and force you to to buy something. Um, But it was a, it was a good perspective on stuff. And it was something I, I learned a lot from. And, you know, I really enjoyed talking to people and hearing their stories. And that was kind of like starting to think about, wait, what can we do with these stories, right? Yeah. Like talk, you know, it's so important that we share our stories with other people and everybody has a story. Um, there was one day I was walking down one of the halls with my husband and they, there were people that would say, hey, Simone, hey, Simone, hey, Simone. And my husband's like, how do you know all these people? I was like, because I talked to them. He's like, I've been here 20 years. And that I was like, because you walk with your head down, yeah. like, you, you have to meet these people. They're amazing. And they have these great stories. And I've learned so much. So um, that was that was one of probably my favorite things is the, the people that I got to work with. So fantastic. So tell me about six kids, because you had three. How did you manage to another three? What happened there? Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, we had three. And then we decided that we wanted to adopt. So. We adopted our son, Noah, from South Korea. He was a baby. He was four months old when he came home. And when he was about two, we said, we, we want to adopt again. And because life wasn't crazy enough. It was really crazy, actually. <laughs> like, life was complete chaos at that point. <laughs> but when you have chaos, what's a little bit oh, yeah. more? So we we decided to adopt again. And this time we chose Ethiopia. And so we adopted our son, Ari. He was four and a half years old when we brought him home. And that was the moment where it was amazing to see the world through his eyes, right? Like he grew up in a mud hut. He didn't have electricity or running water, you know, truly, truly starving when he came home. He didn't, they didn't have enough food. And, but seeing him experience a water fountain for the first time or going on the airplane, flushing the toilet, like all things (laughs) that, you know, we've just, okay, this is just what we do. But really seeing him experience those things was amazing. Um, But when we were at the orphanage, we actually, we had brought our two older daughters with us. And we said that when we left, we said we were going to come back again. We were going to, we were going to adopt one more time because the kids were just, such amazing children, you know, and they're just waiting for a family to love them. Yeah. So we went back and got another one. So we applied again. You have to go. There's a big process yeah. that you, I mean, the paperwork I have is like stacks and stacks of paperwork. Um, and so, yeah, we, we decided we're going to do it one last time. We still had, uh, we had one extra seat in the minivan. And so we figured like, let, let's fill it. And so we applied again for, an older boy and we got matched with our daughter, Millie, and she was two and a half years old at the time. Mm. So I suppose it is kind of almost a full-time job just filling out the paperwork. 
<laughs> it was a lot of paperwork. It's so funny because I was the main, I was the paperwork person. Mm. And so my husband would sign stuff and he'd be like, he looked at the stack one day. He's like, I had no idea. He's like, you know, I'm signing one here, one there. I didn't realize <laughs> like in the end, how much work went into all of that. And you know, it is, but you know, you have to, you have to go through the steps to make sure that it's a really strong process. Mm. So let's have a look at, um, I saw mentioned Kilimanjaro. Now that's quite a big lump of real estate in the middle of Africa. So how did yep. that come about? Why, why did you want to walk to the top of that? It's a great question. Oh, no. um, <laughs> so yeah, I, <laughs> I, well, for those of you who see me, I am not a super athlete. That is not, um, I mean, I rode horses. There's a lot of things that I've done, but I was never a big athlete. And we had a friend who had climbed it the year before with um, a volunteer, a, a charity mm. that he was raising money for. And he called my husband and said, hey, they're putting together a team for next year. Would you be interested? And of course, the way I tell the story is my husband said, one, two, three, no, thank you. Call Simone, see if she's interested. <laughs> and my husband's like, I don't think I'd said it like that. I was like, yeah, you had no interest in doing it. Don't try to pretend you do. You you did not want to sleep in a tent and struggle breathing. And um, now I think he would like to do it since I did it. Mm. But yeah, and so they called me and I said, yeah, I think I really want to do this. I want to push myself. Um, I want to, I want to, re, you know, I, I think I struggled so long believing in myself that this was a moment where I, I really wanted to say to myself, you can do this. It's not just setting the goal. It's putting the work in behind yeah. the goal. Um, I think a lot of times we forget that part. We're like, oh, we set a goal and, and we failed. Well, no, like yeah, you, you got to look at, and, it, and it's okay to fail. That's just part of yeah. life. That's, that's really, you know, happens every day. But really setting that goal and putting in the work to get there was what was really important to me. So what was involved in the training? Uh, to, to, I mean, it's, it's, it's no mean feat having to wander up a, a big lump of real estate like Mount Kilimanjaro. It, it's, uh, what is it, about 5,000 metres high, something like that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's a little bit over 5,000, yeah. yeah. So 19,341 feet, so... You can do my conversion for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Divided by three. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, I had six months from the time I signed up to to train. And um, basically, I committed to being in the gym every single day. And I would walk on the treadmill at full incline. I would I actually went to a boxing gym and I would wear this elevation training mask. and. Now it would be popular, actually, because, you know, it's okay to wear masks. But people looked at me like I was crazy. Um, you know, I had, it was, a, yeah, yeah. It, it basically looked like a gorilla. So I had, I picked the gorilla model. So it looked really attractive. And they have these valves and you switch out the valves to kind of, the amount of mimic, yeah. you know. Yeah. And obviously it doesn't deal with the elevation change no. and the, the low, you know, so that you, that your body has to do when it gets there. Um, but it helped me build lung capacity, which I think was 
really important and really, really helped me. So I would wear it when I was boxing and I'd be like, oh, oh you know, can barely breathe. And and my kids would be embarrassed. They're like, she's wearing that thing again. I'd wear it throughout the yeah. house. And, I, you know, just, but it really helped. So. Well, now did, did you do it for a charity? Did you raise funds for a charity or did you just pay the the, the fee and do it? I raised funds for the charity and um, actually my, my biggest help fundraising was my youngest daughter. She did some videos for me with a globe showing people where I was going. She was little at the time. And at the time she didn't mind being videoed. Now that she's 14, she's like, you know, <laughs> she's not, a, don't put me on your social she, media. She, she's not an influencer. <laughs> she's not a YouTuber then. She's not all over no. uh, TikTok and Twitter. <laughs> No, she'll, she'll make like, she's like, I'm going to make a TikTok. And then she never publishes it. She literally deletes it every time. <laughs> she just likes singing along to the songs, but she doesn't want to be out there, which, which is probably smart. Yeah. I love that. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, so she was, uh, she definitely, you know, you have a little kid who's saying, my mom is going to climb this mountain and people are like, oh yeah, we'll give yeah. money. <laughs> so she was, she was a big help. And I went with, there, there were 16 of us. I didn't know anybody. Um, and I was paired up with a woman named Rhonda, who is a breast cancer survivor. And she was amazing. She was my roommate. She was my tent mate. So not only am I going with strangers, but now I'm sleeping in a room with someone I don't know. <laughs> and we hit it off and it was, it was, it was great. We still she comes down to Florida um, probably once a year. And so I still get to see her. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was, that was another really interesting piece is that really not just meeting new people for the first time and you're now climbing a mountain with mm -hmm. them and you have to figure out how are we going to lead? How's this going to work? How, how do we work together? Um, it's not like you're in a boardroom and you can just walk away you're there and you have to figure out the best way to work with the people that you're with. And not only that, I think what was really, really special for me is that it was so motivational because there were several people on the trip. It was a, we were raising funds for the Live Strong Foundation. So um, there were people that were, that were cancer survivors on our trip. They were also climbing for someone that may have had cancer or um, was in treatment right now or had passed away. So it was truly, it was motivational. It was inspirational, all of it, because, you know, it's more, it's even more motivation yeah. to make it to the top because you want to support each other, you know, as a community, as a team. So they're, they're all fairly driven people to start with. Now, did you have uh, any pre-meetups before going to, to, to just to, to sort of get to know the group, to, to do any team building prior to, to putting the first step forward uphill? Uh, no, we did not. Um, but part of it is because, you know, we were all over the country. So it wasn't like we were all from one location where it would make it easier to to do that. We had a couple of phone calls right before and we did, we had like a, you know, an email chat yeah. back then it was an email chat. So, um, 
but it made for like a really amazing experience. I mean, it's, it's funny when you look at it and think, okay, climbing a mountain is one thing, climbing a mountain with people you don't know, that's another thing. Um, but it really, I think it really made it that much more special. Yeah. So what, I mean, 16 people uh, split down in the two, so sort of, um, so two or eight, eight two-man teams, was it? Or, or, or were you? Or... Well, we all went together. We were, Just... we were, we were together for all of it. Um, we had, you know, multiple guides and um, porters, obviously, that would help us. And I have to tell you that to me, they're not porters. They are amazing athletes. They are amazing humans that they do these treks all of the time and the the way they're the the shape that they're in and the strength that they have and and the risks that they take to help other people it, it is really an amazing thing to to be part of yeah so so you had bearers so how much equipment did you actually carry yourself did you did, did you just have your personal kit and and a bottle of water or something or or, or did you have a massive great big uh uh, Bergen on your back, uh, carrying about 50 pounds. So we had, I think, I can't remember the exact weight limit, but we, the most I think we could carry was around 25 pounds um, because there's a limit for it. It's a protected area. And so there was only, a. it was literally the the climbers can only have this, this much, or the hikers can only have this much. And then the porters carry the rest. Um yeah. And it was still heavy. Uh, most most of it is water. You know, you carry the the stuff that you need for the day, um, but you have so much water in there to to get you through it because obviously that's what you have to be doing the entire time is drinking water constantly so that your body stays hydrated. Obviously, yeah. so. So, how many days did it take you from start at the bottom to get to the top? Uh, five days. Five days up. So we went. Um, and how many days to come back down again? Two days. So coming down is a lot quicker than going up. Yeah, except it was really honestly. I mean, it was still hard for me. It was quite hard coming down because I had had a couple of knee surgeries, mm. and so my knee was very swollen by the time we started to come back down, and so really towards the end, I was, I was very much hobbling to, to just finish. And we got to one campsite and one of the guys was like, do you want to get, um, a four wheeler to, or three wheeler to, to take you down? I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, I've come this far. I made it to the top. I'm going to make it back to the bottom. I was like, I'll hobble my way. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can do it generally on broofing. <laughs> that's, that's the military way of well, doing things. Yeah. <laughs> and pop a couple of days and carry on. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, you know, it was obviously the going up part was I had, I had done a good job working out. Yeah. So I was in the shape that I needed to be in. Doesn't mean I didn't struggle completely. We all struggled, you know, I had a stomach bug at one point. That was one of the worst things. Cause you know, you're drinking water from what whatever sources they find nearby and they treat it with some kind of chemicals it was iodine was part of it but to kill whatever bacteria is in there but you know there's still a chance you're going to get something and I did and that was probably 
one of the hardest parts was being sick while you're climbing. Yeah. So there's nothing worse than having a bit of touch of the squits. Oh <laughs> gosh. And you know, and there's no toilets, you know, there's well, there was like a little portable it, it, one. There was a shovel. Little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go. Just go. Got pretty good at yeah. that. So, you know. So yeah. I always find coming down is a lot harder than going up, actually. Um I've I've done a fair amount of ill work in my time, and um, I always find it difficult coming down. I mean, it's 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 harder on your knees, I think, coming down and your your hips and your back and your shoulders. And and somebody when I used to do it, somebody always used to take the Mickey and and give you far too much weight to carry. I mean, <laughs> mm. carrying a minimum a minimum of fifty six kilos. Um, Wow. I mean that's that's wow. that's the bare minimum. If you if you haven't got that weight then then you ain't uh, <laughs> then you fail. But um Wow. Wow when I was in Afghanistan, yeah. um I was going out on foot patrols carrying forty two kilos. We'd go out wow. on a patrol carrying forty two kilos. We came in off of one patrol with carrying next to nothing because we'd expanded all the ammunition and most of the water. In fact, all of the water, oh, wow. we'd run out of water yeah. and we were very, very nearly running out of ammunition. Um, but we got back in and uh, we didn't lose anybody, but we uh, we, we we dropped a few of the enemy. Um, and that was wow. a tough day. Wow. So, yeah. you completed it. Did you get the certificate and everything saying that you've completed Yeah, I got a certificate. <laughs> it's like, you know, graduating high school. Yep. Graduating college, got my certificate. Well, that's gone up, in, um, yeah, that's gone up mean, in the toilet with the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's in my file, mm. right? I certain things are hanging on my wall. That one should be, but it's uh I have it filed away. So but yeah, it was, you know, that's it's a special thing. It was really a moment where I said to myself that you can do it. You did yeah. it. You you can do any of these things. Like stop doubting yourself. You know, pick things that are realistic. You know, I'm Again, I'm not going to do K2 like what? that, you know, that I'm not, a, I'm not a climber. So like for me to, you didn't feel over, yes, if I want to do you that. You didn't feel overly inspired to go, go do all the Munros and uh, climb, <laughs> climb all these other you know, mountains in the world, doing Everest. <laughs> the hard thing is I have six kids. So it was funny yeah. because when I got back, um, my daughter, who is now 19, she was saying, Oh, you should do Everest. You should do Everest. And, and then there was that, um, there was a earthquake. I don't know if you remember that. And, um, it was, it was bad. And so my daughter's like, no, don't even think about training for that. (laughs) (laughs) You still have to deal with us. Like there's too many of us. Like if something happens to you, what are we going to do? I'm like, you got dad. They're like, yeah, but we don't have you. So, yeah. So you came back from Kilimanjaro and uh, I guess life sort of got back to some sort of normality. Yeah, it, you know, it was, you did it, you did it, you did it. Okay, what's next? (laughs) What are you doing next? Um, And I was like, what's the next challenge? I'm just tired right now. Like I'm not doing, I don't have a plan yet. Um, But, you know, so I got back into uh, daily life. And then, you know, that's, 
I started doing more volunteer work also. And then that's kind of when I started to realize that I really love sharing my stories and that I like being on stage speaking, which like my husband would say, I can't imagine anything worse. (laughs) He's like, who wants to do something like that? I'm like, I do. I like it. I really do. Because you realize that with your stories, you can inspire other people. And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, again, that that self-doubt piece of that your story can make a difference in someone else's life. And, um, you know, and after being touched by other people's stories, that was kind of a moment where I said, this is what you should be doing. You should be sharing your stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, all yeah. of it. You should. And then the more I did that, the more people said, you should write a book. And I thought, I'm not a writer. Again, limiting myself. I'm not a writer. Um, but then I said, why not? Yeah. Why, why, why shouldn't I? You know, like, why, why can't yeah. I? Do I want to do it? Sure. Am I going to put in the work? Yes. Oh. Okay. Make a schedule. Make it yeah, happen. Look at me. I've been up Kilimanjaro and back down again. I can do it. <laughs> Yeah. So (laughs) it was actually, it was funny because I said to my husband, um, so, um, I think I want to write a book. And he was like, I'm going to start by saying, you're not really a writer. Um, but I think it's going to be amazing and I can't wait to read it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he's always been super supportive. So it was just funny how, how he, Mm -hmm. he said it. And I was like, you know, yeah, yeah, I get that, but you know, I can be. And so, and I did. And actually, when he read it, I was really particular about not letting anybody read it ahead of time. Because when you're telling stories, yeah. right, there's three sides to a story, right? So it's uh, it's all about perspective. And so I knew if I started asking the kids or my husband, hey, what do you think about this? They'd be like, well, that's not how I remember yeah. it. So just like the Kilimanjaro piece where I said my husband counted to three and said, no, thank you, call yeah. Simone, uh, you know, and he he's like, I don't remember it like that. <laughs> so um, so my one daughter, my daughter, Olivia, who's 19, she actually did help me a little bit because she was really good with word choice. So when I was struggling, I'd say to her, yeah. what do you think about this? And she'd come back and say, I think this would be better. I'm like, "Ooh, I like that yeah. better. So um, she was really more really descriptive helpful. words. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, when it, when I got a copy of the book and, you know, I sent it to my husband and said, you know, here, read it. And he was really cute. He read it twice in one night and he cried both times. And he's like, you know, I know I've lived through these, uh, lived through all these stories, but just reading Mm -hmm. them and, thinking back, he's like, it's like experiencing them for the first time. So, so that was pretty fun. But I'll bet he didn't pick up on the lemon bit. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't see it either. I was like, did you see this? He's like, no, I didn't see I didn't, it. But a lot of times, didn't you know, pay it's, attention, it, did it's interesting. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you talk about dyslexia. So my son who is 18 has dyslexia. And when we would read together, um, it's always really interesting to hear him because I remember one time he was reading something to me and the word was couch and he said sofa. So his brain was compensating, Mm -hmm. like the brain knew. So, you know, I think a lot of times we'll look at something and we see it the way we think we're supposed to see it. And um, so that's why I think nobody caught it except for my one friend. I was like, you get a prize. (laughs) (laughs) Take two house points, go to the front of the class and you may give out the pencils. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, there we go. 
you too may start yeah. writing. Um, so yeah, but, uh, so that was really that was really special, honestly, to to have him read it and give me that 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 feedback and yeah and yes, perspectives were different, but it's funny because I tell a I tell stories about him and you know he is obviously as a physician under pressure he is super strong, mm. but what's fascinating to me again we're all human right so we all have our our things that we we struggle with or that bother us or. But when one of the kids gets injured and there's blood, it's like, he's a whole different human. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my. I'm like, Rob, okay, what is happening here? You know? And he's like, this is really bad. This, I was like, you can't say that. The, the, you're freaking out the kid. Pretend it's like a real patient. You wouldn't do that. Um, but he, you know, it's, it's funny. And so we actually had um, something happen about a year ago. So this is post a book. And I call him and I said, um, so I need to show you something that's happening. Uh, Noah hit his foot and there's a lot of blood. And he said, I promise I won't freak out. And I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm, now I'm going to put you on FaceTime then. <laughs> so you can see the situation and tell me what you want me to do. And it was so funny. He's like, I promise I won't freak out. So that's like the new thing is after, yeah. I don't think he realized, you know, <laughs> that he was like freaking out so bad when one of the kids would get injured. So, um, and he didn't freak out. I showed him that he's like, okay, I'm coming home. I got to take him to the hospital. And so, yeah, yeah. but he didn't freak out. So that worked then. That's yeah. a, that's a positive. Yeah. Book. yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should write about like, you know, how doors don't get closed in the house, yeah. you know, everything like or closes on the floor. Maybe if I write about that, that will go away yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Uh, just don't yeah. clean you up after themselves. <laughs> yeah. I expect yeah. the parents to do it. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, because there's always a fairy that shows up, you know. She might be a week late, but she still shows yeah. up, so. And, uh, I mean, you could always get a wand, I suppose, uh, and and magic it. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, talking, I mean, let me know when you find out how that yeah, works. Talking of magic, Florida, is that where they've got um, Warner's Harry Potter world? Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. How often do you go? In Universal How Studios. many times have you been? Are you there all the time? You've got season tickets. No, we, we, we used to when the kids were younger. It's funny. I think we took them so many times to things that they don't care to go anymore, mm. except for like at, um, at Disney world, they have Epcot and Epcot has all these different countries that you can. And so they have a thing where you can drink around the world. And so my kids that are old enough to drink, they're like, I want to go to Epcot and drink around the world. <laughs> but the little kids are like, I don't want to go to any theme park. I don't want to wait in a line. We've seen it 500 times. Uh, but yeah, we've been there many times. And I do love the. I mean, the Harry Potter world is, yeah. You know, it's amazing how, what a good job they did with it. So it's, and it's, a it's lot on the bucket list. I mean, I've done the, uh, the Leesden, um a few times now. We go on their special mm -hmm. occasions, birthdays and stuff like that. And taking the grandkids and whatnot, but uh, yeah, I love Harry Potter. And yeah. I, saw, it's, it's I like, saw, seen the, the latest film, which is really, really good. Really enjoyed. Oh, the new, yeah, the uh, uh, the Secrets of Fantastic Dumbledore. That's, that's, oh, okay, that's yep. pretty cool. The second one, I, I wasn't over keen on, but the but the Secrets of Dumbledore, they they got that right, I think. Um, that's that's story okay, is coming on quite nicely. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Hopefully I can drag some of my kids to yeah. it, you know. 
Well, Simone, bring us up to date. What are you up to nowadays? So right now I am... Talking to me. Yes, I'm talking <laughs> to you. And <laughs> no, I'm... I am doing public speaking. So that's like really what I love. So if anybody needs someone to speak on their stage, I'm, I'm there. I am, I write blog posts every week. So on my website, I try to keep that up to date. Um, and you know, I'm enjoying life with my, the three kids that I still have home. I mean, it's hard to believe that in four years, everybody will be out. And I shouldn't say it like that because <laughs> you know, if someone's going to come back, Right. I mean, yeah. I actually, from the time the kids were little, I was like, okay, once you leave, you can't come back. Once you leave, you can't come back. Oh, there's too many of you. You have to go. And uh, of course, I'm just yeah. kidding. But then, obviously, when uh, COVID hit, everybody came home. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I should have never said that to the kids. Yeah. This was my fault. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, and actually, it was one of the, it was, the silver lining in everything that was happening was that everybody, everybody did come home. And, you know, my oldest son is 25 and my youngest daughter is 14. So it was nice for everybody to be able to connect as they are now a little bit older and they're not so annoying to each other. So they actually have <laughs> created these friendships that wouldn't have been there if they wouldn't have all come yeah. home during that time, they wouldn't have been able to experience that. So. Um, chaos, yes, but it was it was good chaos because um, sometimes when I was writing, I would write in the midst of it, and it would remind me of all the stories mm. and you know help me with the the details because you know they're doing ridiculous stuff again. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what what, what was, the, what was the scraps for the for the bathrooms like in the mornings? Well, um, I guess the, the teenagers wouldn't have been up till midday anyway. <laughs> Well, exactly. So the timing is, you know, it, it was the, the question was always, is anybody actually going to get dressed? And the answer was no. Um, you know, like, <laughs> wait, we don't have to go anywhere again today. Okay. I'm just going to stay in my PJs all day. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they all wake up at different times. So, and if you don't wake them up, they would probably sleep all day. So <laughs> it's so funny how that works as, as a teenager. I wish I could do that now, yeah. but it's yeah. like, I hit a, first of all, I can't sleep to begin with, but then when I do fall asleep, once I'm up, I'm up. It's like oh, know, I have a cure for that. I would love. It. Tell yeah. me. Um, when I got into the podcasting thing, I, I did 24 half an hour episodes of my life. So if you're struggling at getting to sleep, listen to one of those. <laughs> put you out for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I I doubt that. I doubt that. From the the little bit you've shared about yourself, I'm sure it's actually very interesting. So. Uh, I'll listen to it while I'm awake and not trying to fall asleep. Yeah, that's, that's probably a wise thing to do, actually. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to stay awake, it could go the other way. Yeah, yeah keep well, you awake all night. Yeah. Nightmares. I'll have to do it. I'll have to listen first thing in the morning. because yeah. Once you yeah. start, it'll be on all day long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Simone, I really, really enjoyed your story. Uh, it's quite inspiring. Thank I mean, Kilimanjaro itself is 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 a, a massive challenge for anybody to do. So uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. So it again, it's it's funny. It's one of those things that I that I did that I didn't realize would um 
be such a big deal to other people mm-hmm. where again, I had from the beginning, I had the, you really think you're going to make it to the top? Oh no, I think I'm going to make it halfway. That's why I'm doing yeah. this. You know, it's the, the questions people would ask. Right. But you know, really now that I, you know, when I, once I finished it, it was interesting how people were like, wow, wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was just, and that's how I look at other people's lives. The things that people do. I'm like, wow, that is really impressive. That is really amazing. And I think sometimes people don't realize, you know, the, the things that they do every day make a difference in Absolutely. the world. I mean, ordinary people have some extraordinary stories and that's, that's where yeah. I come from. Yeah. And I mean, again, we're all, we're all unordinary. So we're all, we're all, we're, we're all people, but we all are unique and we all have amazing stories to share and we need to continue sharing them because that's how we change the world. Absolutely. So thank you again. Thanks so much for having me here. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. Welcome to the Tim Hill podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.